Welcome to the Career Day Podcast. Uh, a special guest today. What do you guys do? What's your names? What do you do? You can go first. All right. I'm Tanasia Murphy, and I am a fourth grade primary teacher at, do you say the name of the school? Sure, yeah. T-H-I-S. T-H-I-S. In Beijing, China. Um, yeah, and I teach reading, writing, math, and social studies, and maybe science next year, but we'll see. Nice. <laughs> And I am the Mr. to the Mrs. I'm Devin Murphy. I also teach at THIS uh, in Beijing, China. I currently teach Algebra 1, Pre-Calculus, and I also am a basketball coach. And so this is your first year in China. <laughs> first year. Uh, and how, how long have you been teaching? Uh, oh, wow. This would be, as far as a classroom goes, this would be year... Oh, five going on six? Okay. Yeah, same for me. I'm. This will be my sixth year coming up. The 2021-22 yeah, school year will be my sixth year. Which, uh, yeah. And so, what was it like... So you've been teaching for a while. Mm -hmm. So what was it like this year teaching in a new environment in China? Um, differences? What went well? Um, what didn't go well? I'll say for me, the biggest difference was just that connection. Um... I taught at a Title I school in the States, so it's just uh, kids growing up in poverty, and 100% of the kids at our school got free or reduced lunch, actually free lunch, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so I related to them on that aspect because I also grew up in an environment like that. Um, but also, they were all like black and Latino kids, so I related to them on that aspect as well. So like culturally and economically, I could relate. Here, I can't relate to them on either aspect. Like these are like super rich kids and they're Chinese. So I don't know too much about the Chinese culture as it is. And uh, a lot of like my jokes and my puns and my sarcasm just doesn't hit like it used to. So I would say that that has been like the biggest difference because that to me was like the joy of teaching is developing that connection and being able to like laugh with the kids and stuff and um some of the kids got it but the majority didn't so it kind of like went over their heads and there were crickets you know all that good stuff so um but otherwise the, the teaching part is the same yeah um, it's a bit easier because the kids are either on or above grade level i only had a few that were below and the class sizes are smaller um but yeah so i would say the connection aspect is different here yeah, connection aspect, really different. It's, I don't think, I think the middle school, high school level is a little bit better because even though the kids are Chinese, some of them are still dialed into some American cultures. So at first it was a little weird trying to relate. Uh, same thing as my wife. I come from a school, even though my school was considered really affluent, uh, we had a really high population of rich kids as well, but the underlying truth was also we had a, a lot of kids that were also getting free and reduced lunch uh, to the point that it was kind of bad because that was hidden to the naked eye. Mm. So I had a lot of kids that were also African-American, Latino, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that I had classes with and I would taught and I related to them really well. So that's a big aspect in general. But also uh, coming here, it's completely different. Jokes don't always hit the same as well. But... I was able to find some sort of connection rather than just being goofy or just understanding how hard the kids want to be successful and want to succeed because I kind of have that same desire as well. 
And I just use that to try to relate with them one way or another, whether it be through personal connections, uh, via sports, just trying to understand what their personal interests are, anything to just try to get them more dialed in. Uh, first year has been great. It's been a, a heck of a year, to say the very least. You start half a year teaching on a camera screen. I think we were up 2, 3 o'clock a.m. sometimes. Yeah, just, that, was, that was ridiculous. Yeah, oh. trying to end. I do not miss that. Trying to end class. <laughs> then we get in China. We're, luckily, we had that holiday break, so we only had to teach for like one more week mm. on the camera. And then we get in person. And we get in person. It was almost like we're rock stars. Like, they're just happy to, just as happy we were to be in the country, they're just happy to have a teacher yeah. in front of their face. So that was pretty cool. And then it was just now, okay, well, I haven't seen you for half the year, and you've had whoever in the room, and you've probably been controlling them however you want. So I got to lay down some foundations and the blueprint of how this class is going to go. Yeah. And it was some growing pains from what I've heard. A lot of kids thought I was really mean. Uh, I was a scary individual. <laughs> I didn't take no BS. But towards the end of the year, and it's kind of it's weird, this kind of happens to me every year I teach. The, the first half for the rough rough classes, the first half of the year is like a power struggle. Like everybody's trying to get in whatever they can get in power-wise. And then at the end of the year, everybody comes to a mutual understanding. Everybody has respect for one another, and everybody's appreciative of being a part of the class. Even if they don't pass the class, they're still appreciative of just the experience in yeah. general. Um, so you said you were also the basketball coach. Do you feel like – or how did that – because you – did well like your kids and I we taught the same grade we took we both taught the eighth graders yep. and so I saw them have that different relationship with you just because you were also their coach right so what was what was that like so uh again that's that's shout out to my wife that's shout out to people back home uh for the longest I've just always loved basketball like before I became a teacher and before I knew I was gonna be stuck at five six my goal was do whatever it takes to make it to the league like to the NBA and it would still be cool one day if I could just work in that environment or anything, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but for the longest, I just love being around the game of basketball. And I've always been pushed to coach. And my argument would always be I have other kids that play different sports. Like, I have one girl. She's playing basketball now, Gardner-Webb. I'm still, even over here in China, she's over in the States. I'll still mentor her and talk to her. I've had other kids that play other different sports. I have a girl that's playing softball at, uh, I don't want to mess this up, at Johnson C. Smith. Uh, there's a kid that's playing football at Texas A&M. So there's these kids that I try to reach out to every so often and just keep up tabs on their life, even if I don't directly communicate with them and just see how they're doing. So, But my biggest thing was, coaching-wise, I am coaching. I'm like mentally, mentally coaching these kids, making sure they're in their proper headspace, doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, on the field and off the field, and I don't really have time to commit to a full staff. Well, here in China, because sports don't have as high as a priority as I personally think it should, the kids only practice twice a week. So I was like, well, they, get, they practice twice a week. You have some games. You have some tournaments. I guess I can commit to that. And I'm glad I did. Like, literally the best experience you see another form and another version of the kids and those kids that maybe a lot of the teachers think are so bad you can kind of shape and mold them because they want to do well for you because you're this coaching the, this is the thing they like yeah this yeah. this is what their passion right so it's like 
if you're not going to act right in the classroom, I'm not going to give you the opportunity to go out and perform. And they understand that balance. And I think it really helped a lot of the, from what the, some of the teachers were telling me. It helped them kind of get a better grasp on some of the kids because you want to act up in class? All right, I'm going to tell the coach. Some teachers took a little bit too much advantage of that, but <laughs> nonetheless, it, it worked out and it became a well-balanced situation altogether. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a kid that he passed my class because he was in basketball. So, yeah. Yeah. Good job, babe. Good job. <laughs> um, fourth grade. Yes. I've never taught fourth grade. Yes. I'm scared of those children. <laughs> They're not uh, scary at all. What, was, what, do you, what do you like about fourth grade? Um... I don't know. I just like that the kids are... So you think elementary school, primary, whatever, and you think that they don't know how to do anything for themselves. And that's true until you get to, like, the upper primary. So upper primary is, like, grades three through five. I've only ever taught fourth and second. I only survived one year in second grade and just realized it wasn't for me because those are the kids that are just, like... You know, and even second graders are a little bit more independent than like first or kindergarten, but it was just too many tears, too much. Fourth grade, you don't really get a lot of that. Obviously, there are kids who cry sometimes, but they cry over like getting in trouble or like they don't just cry because you like looked at them funny like second graders do. Um, but fourth graders are just funny. Like you can talk to them like they're real people. I mean, <laughs> all kids are real people, but you can like talk to them on a deeper level, yeah. but it doesn't go so deep into like those mature, uncomfortable conversations because they're still naive to a lot of the things of the world. Obviously, there are some kids who mature mentally faster, so you, you can have those conversations, but you don't have to, um, which I really like. You kind of, they're just kids and they're very simple. Um, they like what they like, they don't like what they don't like, and it's they're just simple kids. Um, fourth graders have a big shift in personality as well, though. Towards the end of fourth grade, they become fifth graders, and fifth graders are like just little beasts of their own. <laughs> they are opinionated, nothing's fair, uh, they have attitudes, and that's why I think fourth grade is just my sweet spot. If I'm not teaching fourth grade, I'm probably just not going to teach because I just love fourth grade. Anything below that is just too babyish. Anything above that is too grown. So I'm just fourth grade is where it's at. Nice. Yeah. And so, okay, being teachers in China meant that something happened and we've all ended up here, right? <laughs> Good or bad, yeah. adventurous or whatever. Yeah. So I wanna, I'm, I'm interested. Did you guys always know you wanted to be teachers? Like you, you made a comment of like, you wanted to be a basketball player, but like, did you know that teaching was always the thing that you were gonna do? Absolutely not. Teaching was not anywhere in my, so this, this is a sad story, but this is a real story. Uh, <laughs> my family growing up, my biological father and my mother, my biological father was in the military, so we did a lot of traveling, not that I really remember, but we did a lot of moving around. Like we were moving houses, apartments, like every year. And then they got divorced when I was eight. My mom got remarried at 10. Again, we were doing a lot of moving around and stuff. Like and all, it, you're from? North Carolina. North Carolina, all yep. in North Carolina? Or no, like no, no, just like different states. Okay. Well, from eight to, 18 was all in North Carolina. Okay. But from 
I guess age zero to age eight, it was all around like the United States. But we did a lot of moving and I was just like, honestly, I just want to get a job that one, I can help people because my mom got divorced twice. So she got divorced from my biological father and my, my stepdad at the time. Uh, but, but even before the second divorce, I always had a mindset that I want to have a job where I can help people um, and just help them be better versions of themselves. How does that work in basketball? I mean, personally, I can help myself get better, but then I can help teammates get better. Um, but I knew I didn't want to have a job that did not pay well. And just, you know, personally speaking, teaching does not pay well, especially not in the United States. My <laughs> My best friend and I used to have, it was, it was a bad saying, but the saying was we would either uh, sell drugs or we would, I forgot what the, I'm serious, we would sell drugs or we would do something else before it came to the military. Because where we're from, a lot of people, if you don't graduate high school, that's the route you go, you go military. And now they have stricter requirements that, yeah, you need to graduate to be able to join the military as well. But we just knew teaching wasn't something that was on the plate. I was like, I can make more money selling drugs, right. I just be honest. And my mom, I applied for a couple of scholarships. There was a scholarship called the Teaching Fellow Scholarship. I ended up getting it. I didn't want to go. I got an acceptance letter from University of Miami, like the U. So in my head, so I'm going, I'm going to Florida. My best friend, he was going to Florida A&M. So I'm like, even though we'll be far away in Florida, we'll both be in Florida, it's like the perfect move. She shot that down. She's like, you're going to take this scholarship. There's not really nothing you can do about it. And I'm like 18. I don't really have much say so I can really, you know, do about it. So I just kind of had to stick with it. Uh, so the Teacher Fellows program is actually a good program. They don't really have it anymore. It kind of got washed away. There's like small pockets of it depending on what school you go to. But it was a program. You go there to whatever school that accepts a program. And for four years, you're just like pretty much being shaped and molded and groomed into becoming a teacher. And after you graduate, you pay the scholarship back by giving four years of service to teaching somewhere in the States. Hmm. And they, uh, they pretty much wipe off the debt from that scholarship. And just, it's a good way to give back. Um, now that I am a teacher, I appreciate it. I'm appreciative of the opportunity. Um, but I also don't like being put in a pocket. Like I feel like I can still do more than just be a teacher. Like I can be a teacher, I can be a life coach. I love to cook and I love to eat, so I can be a chef. Um, you know, just many other opportunities that can also be taken advantage of. So this could just be a stepping stone. It could be. Could very well just be a stepping stone. I met somebody out here that runs their own like coaching program and like training kids, personal training, and that's randomly one of the things I'm starting to get into. So. Um, the opportunities are endless, to say the least. Nice. Um, I'll say mine is funny because mine is a little bit related to teaching fellows as well. So the year, either the year before or the year that I graduated high school, they stopped the teaching fellows <laughs> program. And that was what I was going to do. I was going to apply to the teaching fellows program because I wanted to be many things. <laughs> and, you know, teaching I felt like was something that at one point – as a kid, I wanted to be a teacher. I would always play school with my friends. I loved school. I was like the most annoying, obnoxious teacher's pet there was. And as a teacher now, I <laughs> I understand 
teachers' pets in a different way. And sometimes I wish I could go back and change a couple of things about how I was at school, but whatever. Um, but anyway, so I was going to do the teaching fellows program, but they stopped it. So I was like, well, that was like my in into college. Like I was going to have like the scholarship, and but now I could do anything. So I went in as a social work major. Um, I lasted maybe a year and a half before I realized that it just wasn't for me. Like, I like the idea of helping people, but social workers really go in and like really see the at-home life. And my empathetic self mm. could not handle that. And I just know I'll become like too attached and mentally it wouldn't be good for me. So I switched to communication and that's actually what I graduated with was a Bachelor of Arts in Communication and a minor in Journalism. So what was what was the thought process there? Because that seems like a big shift. Um, <laughs> I honestly <laughs> don't know. I wish I could tell you. I've always liked to write. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to work at like Teen Vogue and I'm going to wear cute outfits on the streets of New York. So you were like... I feel too much. I'm not. I can't help people. So I'm gonna do me. Kind of. Okay. That's 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 the exact shift. Like I feel too much. Let me go into a field that is like no feeling whatsoever. And uh, I went through college, and in my junior year, a coworker of mine suggested Teach for America, and. I was a junior, so you start to think about like what comes next. And I had done like maybe one or two internships. I didn't really like the things that I had done in the communication internship realm. And so I was like, okay. So I learned about Teach for America, fell in love with their mission of helping underprivileged children. And I felt like it was a, a bit better than social work because you do have that barrier of at school life. Like, although you are exposed to how their home life is, you're not like in it with them taking kids and whatever else. So I decided to apply for Teach for America as a junior um, for early acceptance, got accepted, did a little bit of training my senior year, and then went into the classroom after college. So I had, I knew I was gonna be a teacher in Charlotte before my senior year even began, which was like a big weight off my shoulder because a lot of people leave college with no idea where they're gonna work. Um, so yeah. I had like a roundabout way. It was like a full circle, literally. Like I started wanting to be a teacher, kind of went off the path a little bit, but somehow it found its way back to me. So here I am. Nice. And so you, but you also have like a side project. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what, what do you consider? Like, are you an influencer? No. <laughs> I do not have the following whatsoever to be an influencer. I love social media. I feel like, I just think it's just so fascinating in so many ways. I do think it's dangerous and I do think there's like a dark side to it, especially with kids um, in particular and role models and who's a role model, who's not a role model, what's real, what's fake. But I like the reach that you can have without having to like leave your home. Like you can literally reach people all over the world from your living room if you wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I I would like, my dream is to retire from teaching because my 
YouTube career has just started paying the bills. If that's going to happen, I don't know. But in the meantime, I'm just having fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And how long have you been doing the YouTube specific thing? I want to say... So I started in college when I studied abroad, but it was very sporadic. Like I was just recording myself in Italy and posting it whenever. And then I did it again sporadically throughout college, like just random things that would happen. I'd record it and put it on YouTube. When I started teaching, I started making teacher vlogs, which was cool for a while, but just I wasn't really feeling it. And then since we've been here, I would say I've been the most consistent that I've been. So I, I would say since technically since 2015, but not consistently until like last year. And even now it's not like, I don't have an upload schedule, but I will post like maybe two videos a month, two or yeah. three, depending on how motivated I am that month to get things done. Nice. So, okay, so you have, so you, you've arrived in teaching, you're a teacher now, you do a couple of years, how, how long did you teach in the States? Uh, taught in the States for, I guess you said like five four years. years. Four years. Four years. Four years, yeah. yeah. So four years have come, and you get to a point where your next step is China. <laughs> how did that happen? You want to tell a story, I'll tell a story, it don't matter. Um, we can tag team it. Matter of fact, let's give different perspectives. Okay, all right, <laughs> different perspectives. So, um, two people, Kelsey and Corey, have you interviewed them yet? Yes. Okay, so Kelsey and Corey taught at the same school in Charlotte as I did, and I saw them take off on their journey to China, and I thought it was so cool, and I saw, they're not big social media people, but occasionally they would post updates and pictures, and I just thought it was just really awesome that they were doing that together. Um, and then Devin proposed and we knew we were going to get married. And I was like, you know, usually, not usually, but a lot of times after marriage, it's like, okay, you get married and then you have kids. And that was what our plan was. But I thought it would be unique and exciting <laughs> and just good for us if we like lived our married life together for a little while before we made that next step. And so um, <laughs> Devin's friend, uh, Jay, he was living in Raleigh, which is like a two hour drive from Charlotte. And then him, his wife and his daughter moved, our goddaughter moved back to Charlotte. And very soon after that, it wasn't because they came back, but I brought up in the car, we should move to China. I had been thinking about it for a while, but I just was a little nervous to bring it up because I mean, who who does that? I mean, a lot of people do it, but not- I mean, any, not really. Yeah, not really. <laughs> so I brought it up, he was like against it. I mean, he didn't straight out say no, but he was just like, why would you consider that? And I kind of wouldn't let it go it was just like nagging in my head like we just I really feel like we should go to China or just like teach abroad somewhere and so we FaceTimed Kelsey and Corey for about an hour one one night and they talked a lot about it you know Corey talked about being black in China which is obviously something that we had to think about and um, they convinced him a little 
<laughs> to get it done. Then we found out this the school that we're at now was hiring, so we applied, we interviewed. Like, Which was the school that Kelsey was teaching Yes, at. yes. Yeah. Kelsey told us that the school was hiring, and so we submitted our resumes. Honestly, I was kind of lollygagging with my resume, and Devin was the one who was like, okay, you want to go to China, you need to get this done. Uh, and so we applied, we interviewed, and we got it. And it was comforting to us to know that there were people that we knew already who were here and had experienced it and said it was okay and that they liked it. And that's why. I have a bad habit of wanting to move everywhere. One year I was moving to Florida. I've, that's all another story. I've been <laughs> about to move to California, but I've always stayed in North Carolina. So I feel like if it weren't for Devin, I would not be in China. Because although he wasn't completely sold on it, he saw how much I wanted to come. And he was like, okay, if you really want to do this, you need to do the work to get there. He was just like, you do it. And if we end up going, we're going to go. So we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so my version is a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> my brother, his wife, and Jashella, which is our goddaughter, they moved back. Now, before the, before they moved, I need to give a little bit of backstory context. So, Jay and I have, we met, like, the summer of eighth grade going into ninth grade. Uh, and I've known him since then. So, I met him that summer playing basketball. <laughs> basketball. And we just kind of got cool towards the, like, end of freshman year. And that's just been my brother ever since. So... He ends up going to college. He goes to Florida A&M. I go to Charlotte. I think two years down the line passed, and he's a little homesick. He ends up moving to Charlotte, and he comes to our university. So we're at now at the same school as Charlotte. So it's like, and every time, even when he was in Florida, every time I would talk to him, it was just like no time had passed. It was just like literally he's standing, sitting right beside me like y'all are. So he comes to Charlotte. And it's like the best time. They say college is the best years. It was like literally the best years. Like that was my brother. Like do everything together, play ball, hang out, club, whatever. We we worked at the same job. Like we was making money together. Like that was the life. We end up graduating, and he gets an engineering job moving to Raleigh, and I end up getting a job and I move uh, by myself in Charlotte. So I just I always knew if I stayed in North Carolina. Charlotte was where I was going to go. Riley was never an option to me. I just, I'm more of a Charlotte person. So he ends up, we, I think around the year, this is now year 2017. So 2017 comes around. I'm skipping apart. Before then, Jay had a, another best friend that is now one of our mutual best friends, was Chelsea. So it was Jay, Chelsea, myself. We all kind of got cool. Tanasia was best friends with Chelsea. First. <laughs> I was best friends with Chelsea she was first. Best friends with Chelsea and first. then Jay came in the picture and took Chelsea from me. But luckily it brought me my husband. So Jay so Jay and Chelsea get cool. <laughs> Jay and Chelsea get cool. So then Chelsea and I get cool. So now we're like all cool. And I'll see Tanasia on occasion and just like, you know, hey, what's up? So we end up having Chelsea end up moving first. Cause it's like it's this is all part of the story. Chelsea moves first, she moves to Portland because she got a bomb engineering job in Portland. Yeah. So we end up, Jay and I, we throw a going away dinner. So 
I end up on the menu. It was Jay, his wife, his now wife Michelle, and myself. We threw a dinner. Even though Jay didn't really, he said he didn't really do nothing. He cooked the broccoli. He gonna take credit for it. And Michelle, she cooked, she cooked like the scampi or something. But I had crab legs, crab cakes, the scampi, broccoli, garlic bread, lobster tail. Like we just threw like a big feast as like a going away dinner for Chelsea. And this was the first time Tanisha actually had some of our cooking too, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But I didn't even know that. So now some time has passed. Chelsea moved. And then she ends up, she came back. In she ends year. up She ends up coming back, huh? In a year. Like she comes, she can't, yeah, she was only gone for a year because she just didn't like Portland. She comes back. Well, she comes back. Jay ends up leaving. Yeah. So now Jay leaves. And now they're pregnant. So we would go to Raleigh. There's 52 weeks in a year. We was probably in Raleigh for a good 30 of them weeks. Because we started like, dating right after Chelsea came back Chelsea and right after they left <laughs> and so we were always going to raleigh to hang out with them and stuff so kind of connecting some dots with the florida story before chelsea is getting ready to leave i'm like talking to tanasia and just like trying to get to know a little bit just you know just talking and she's like she's moving to florida so on my head i was like any idea i had to shoot any shot that's done so it is what it is so Chelsea ends up coming back, and when they come back, Tanaja's back. So I see her, and I'm like, oh, how was Florida? And she was like, I never went to Florida. I'm like, what you talking about? She's like, I never moved to Florida. So this whole time, she's in Charlotte, and I never knew. So I ended up trying to ask her on a date to go see it, but she had already seen it. So I was just like, whatever. And then, I don't know, some opportunity presented itself. I asked her on a date. We are where we are now. But uh, <laughs> Chelsea comes back, Jay and the move. So now we're dating. And this is like the first two to three months of our, ma- uh, not marriage, our uh, relationship. We're just going back and forth with Riley. So I know she was getting kind of tired with that um, just because we had Jay and Riley and we had some other friends in Riley as well that were also pregnant and also getting married. So every week, every other weekend, probably like two months out of, two weeks out of the month, we're going to Raleigh. So eventually we like cooled off of that, like just kind of relaxed, stopped going to Raleigh so much. And Jay is realizing like, okay, well, Devin's here, Chelsea's here. You know, I've been in Raleigh, but honestly, Charlotte's where home is at. So he's moving back to Charlotte. So I'm being his middleman. I'm talking to his realtor. I'm going to the places like, just cause that's the relationship we have. I'm going to the houses that the realtor has set up. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool, or no, nah, this is whack, y'all don't need this. So they end up going to this house. I go with them, and they're like, this is the one. So I'm telling them, like, yo, this is a real prospect. He comes out from Raleigh. We go to the house. It's like, all right, I think we can make, like, a feasible living here. Literally, the day they move in, U-Haul trucks, boxes, all that. Like, we're working hard, manual labor. We get everything into the apartment. Or no, we get everything to the house. They bought a house. We get everything into the house, everything. We're literally in my Toyota Camry, riding back to our little apartment. And what was our neighborhood? North Lake. North Lake. We're riding back. I don't remember what music I was listening to or whatever. And today's just like, so what do you think about China? And I'm like, what about it? She's like, what do you think about living in China? 
And I, I always tell you, I don't, I'm not going to talk about this story too much. And I, for the most part, I don't talk about it too much. It's not just on record. It is. It, it, it is. <laughs> Everyone to repeat over and over. It, and is, over it is. It is on record now. But I don't. I don't. There's not because when we first got here, I brought it up all the time, and I felt bad, um, and just trying to like work on as far as our marriage going, like not bringing up old stuff. So now, anytime I do bring it up, it's just more so like just joking about it. But in the early stages, it was real like like not resentment, but it was just like some frustration. But earlier in our relationship. I would say, you know, let's move to, if we're going to stay being teachers for a time being, let's move to Texas. She had a friend that was in Texas, was making good money, like, thing you said, she was driving a Porsche or something crazy yeah. like that. I don't think she was just teaching, but she had to have been doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, she was, she was making some decent money, but also I knew people in Texas that were working as teachers. They were making almost about the same as we're making out here. And they were just living, like, really comfortable lives. I'm like, well, there's no reason for us to be in North Carolina. We're struggling. All of our people got this leave and come back mentality anyway, so we could do the same thing. We can leave and come back. We're not too far from family, even though it's, it a plane ride would be quicker, but if we needed to drive, we could get there. Like, you know, why not? And she was just adamant, like, it's not happening. No. So then she brings up China. So Texas is the first thing that's in my head. And I'm like, my opportunity to leave got shut down. And now we just supposed to like, woohoo, let's go to China. Like, Let's pause for one second. What? <laughs> <laughs> Texas was not a hard no. It was a conversation that we had. Because I want, because when I apply for Teach for America, my, they give you like a choice. Like 10 places you'd want to live. Charlotte was fifth. My first two choices were cities in Texas. Mm. So I've always wanted to move to Texas, but at the time I just thought that a move to Texas would be more of like a permanent long-term move. Mm. So we don't go to Texas. <laughs> she brings up China and I'm just like, I just need, I need to pray on it. My man's just moved back from Raleigh. So now Jay, Devin, and Chelsea are back. We're all united again. And you bringing this up. like So I was just like, I, I can't even talk about this right now. Like, So some time passes. Collect my thoughts. We talk about it some more. And it was just more so like, all right, she's not letting this go. Like, So obviously this is a real burning passion. And I'm a firm believer, like, if you got some dreams, like, you know, go after it, do it. Like, it is. So I'm like, well, we're getting ready to be married, you know, It'll be cool to experience another side of the world that we haven't experienced. Um, and, you know, why not Why not take a risk? We only live once. Like, let's just give it a shot. So I still wasn't thoroughly convinced. In February, we have a conversation with Kelsey and Corey, and shout out to them on their new beautiful baby. Mm-hmm. And they were just talking about it, and I was just like, I, I, honestly, I still wasn't so. I was just like, okay. I'm, it sounds better, but I, I don't know. So then, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what was the, we had the interview, we have the interview, even though the interview was a few months earlier, but I, I remember it. And in the interview, I'm interviewing with Maxine and Jeff, and Jeff is best friends with my principal that I was working for. So I was like, 
hmm, this is like a really small world. Like he was like, yeah, Mark is my God's, uh, my Godfather to my son, Bazi Bazi. And I was just like, hmm, okay. So I'm like, all right. Well, obviously the school that we're going to go to is pretty decent. It's not a scam school or anything like that. Teenager really wants to go, you know, so why not? So we talked to them. I was just like, all right, I prayed on it. So I prayed on it. I was just like, all right. It's just a matter of taking a leap of faith. So, Tanae just getting ready to put in his application and was kind of being a little slow about it. And I was just like, this is what you said you want. If this is really what you want to do, I'm behind you, but you got to actually be the one to take that leap of faith. So, she puts it in. I put it in. Literally, like, it had to be like a week or two. I don't know. It was like a week later. We get the jobs, like, off rip. Right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, we actually got the job right before Thanksgiving. So we got the job before we even talked to Kelsey and Corey. But I kind of had to like... No, we didn't. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. We didn't? No, we talked to them first. I felt like we got the job. We talked to them. Know. We wouldn't have applied because you were still thinking like no before we applied. Either way, we got the jobs. <laughs> I got I got reassurance from them though because I did talk to them another time because I just was still like on the fence. So now we have the jobs and now backtracking again it's december covid hits so now before covid hits it's thanksgiving and we now have to break the news to our family like yeah i think we're going to move countries for a little bit even though we're just getting married and it was just like literally every we went to three different thanksgivings my family my family in law my family in love and then jay's family because that's like also my family too and it was like a pin drop at each one. Like, nah. Nobody was happy. No, about nobody, it. nobody. Like, I think some people just didn't even respond. Like, it's like <laughs> it's a joke. Then COVID happens. They're like, you're really not going now. Like, but now, going back to like when I was at eighteen, where I didn't have a choice of teaching. It's like, no, nah, I'm a grown man now. So, this is the move we gonna make. This is the move we make. So, I think it's about March. And we're starting to get all the paperwork in. Everything's going decent. We're getting prepared for our marriage. And we were supposed to get married in May. In about April, no, in March, we realized we're not going to be able to get married the exact date we wanted, which was May 30th, because of COVID regulations and everything. So we pushed the wedding back to July 4th, actually. And everything's still on go. Everything's still good. In June, we get like... I think we were getting like the final steps of our paperwork in. Yeah. So everything was good. We get married July 4th. We go on a honeymoon. And then right after that, we got like all the paperwork we needed. So now we were just waiting on one more piece of paper and the flight info. So we stayed at our parents-in-law's, her, her parents' crib for a month. I would say it was about two months. Oh Yeah, like two months. And then we get the flight that we're leaving September 29th. And then we left. And we got here, and ever since we've been here, it's just been like crazy roller coaster. That was around. a very long way to tell. I was trying story. to, I was trying to, but I'm, I'm, but the the moral of the story is like the reason why I felt comfortable about leaving was one, I, I just had like took blind faith, like okay, if she really wants to go here, it must be something about this place. And then when I was praying about it, it was just like I was just getting pulled in that direction, so just go with the flow. But also, with our, within our close friend circle, everybody had to leave at some point. So Jay left 
Chelsea left. So now that they're back, it was like, all right, it's our time to leave. And then we'll come back and everybody. Screaming. <laughs> we went across the map. <laughs> and uh but I think I think this is good for us too, like just being able to live married life and you know ex- explore a different reality. Because a lot of people was getting married and they was having kids. We doing something completely different to everybody else. Even even our families, fam- our families get married, have kids, or have kids get married. So or have kids don't get married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just trying to break that stigma of that normality, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So you went like this is a. It felt like that was a lot to then get to China. Yeah. Yeah. This might be an unfair question, but was it worth it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the in the long run, it was worth it. I think even in the short run, it was worth it. The first month, it was really frustrating because we didn't know the language. So there would be time, like one of the first weeks, we go to this restaurant out here and the waitress is talking to Tanasia and I'm like trying to talk to the waitress and tell her what I want for an order. And she just looked at me and she was just like ignore me and started talking to Tanasia and only talking to Tanasia. So I, I got pissed off about it. Like it's nothing big, but it's just like, why wouldn't she let me do my order? So I was kind of frustrated by some of the nuances of being out here. Like just being, not having, not only knowing how to say ni hao and zai jin. It's kind of like, a handicap. Right. So it was kind of, and it's really fast paced. So we come from the South, things are a lot slower, a lot broken down, a lot, it's easier to understand stuff. And out here it's just so fast paced, so gun ho. If you're not ready for that, then it can kind of frustrate you. And I was just really frustrated about that. Um, but the longer we've been out here, the more we've learned the language. We've gotten into different communities that, you know, represent the things that we like to do, like playing sports and just being social. Um, and we, you know, the teaching job is easy. Like, it's, it's a great life to live. Like, you know, recommend it to anybody that's thinking about international teaching. I would say it is worth it. Um, I think that I handled it better than I thought I would. I, like I said earlier, always have these really big plans. And either one, I go through with them, or no. One, I don't go through with them, or two... I go through with them and don't like it. So I was worried that when we got here, I'd be really homesick. Like when I studied abroad in college, I cried more days, more than half of the days that we were there because I just wanted to go home so bad. And I was in freaking Italy. Like who cries about being in Italy? (laughs) Me. (laughs) So I was worried that I would get here and just be really sad. Uh, And that hasn't been the case at all. I will say, Coming during COVID <laughs> has definitely thrown a wrench in everything because mm-hmm. I feel like now we would have been home with our families and we would have spent the summer maybe doing some traveling outside of China or just visiting family, having family visit us, and we don't really have that luxury. That was just like an unexpected hardship that I think, and the reality of not knowing the next time I'm going to be able to go home to see my family has definitely made this difficult in a way that I didn't expect before COVID. Yeah, yeah not seeing family is definitely rough. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, we got technology, like FaceTime and all that stuff, but it's just hard, like, seeing our goddaughter. She now has a sister, so they, like, we get videos sent of them playing together, and I have, like, other god kids that I see 
like either through pictures being sent to me or like over social media and yeah. it's just like you know you want to be there to experience watching them grow up and stuff so yeah. that, that does get tough yeah my nieces my niece and nephew are very big yeah. yeah it's been a while it's yeah, hard yeah, yeah yeah especially i experienced some loss earlier this year oh what's the month this is july i experienced some loss in like march april and may and may um yeah. and although i wasn't necessarily close with those family members it was hard knowing that i couldn't be there to support like my dad who was close with all of them and the funerals and all that kind of stuff like just and it, that was a fear of coming here was that people are going to die and i'm not going to be able to be there or i could have missed my last opportunity to hang out with them in person and so when it all happened all and you were there when i got one of the phone calls was, we were so, yeah. so it's just like stuff like that is just stuff that i wouldn't expect because if this were three years ago two years ago i would have been able to go home right and be there but in the times that we're living now it's just not an option unless i don't want to come back <laughs> and we're not done with china yet so <laughs> How long, how long are you going to be in China? I mean, we don't know. Yeah, I think the plan right now is 2023, unless God has other plans. Yeah. That's, that's what it's looking like. 2023 gives us enough time to, I think, fully explore China. I think, hopefully, by that time, some restrictions will lessen even more, and maybe we can travel to some smaller pockets outside of mm -hmm. China. Like, we really want to go to Indonesia, even though... Right now, apparently Bali is not good yeah. with COVID and all of that stuff. Um, but there's there's a couple of places that we would love to travel to outside of China. Also, you know, just the matter of hopefully with restrictions dropping, we can bring some people over yeah. and <laughs> show them this wild, crazy life that we're living as well. Yeah. It's just it's real interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. What about you? How's what's the what's the time frame? Um, I. I don't want to teach in America again. That's fair. Um, so I'm, I think, international for, for life, good. You're an international lifer. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't think China's the end. Mm. Okay. But I don't have a, an end date in China. That's fair. Yeah. That's cool. It really depends on next year. Yeah. Because Dana's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. get here and um, teach for the mm -hmm. first time ever. And so we'll see how that goes. Where now, we had a conversation off the record where you were saying at first it was like we want to go to other places China is not necessarily option number one what were some of those other places so we were looking um, there's like a I mean we were just kind of we used like search associates so we were looking at like the schools on there um, there's like a really I don't know anything about this school obviously or <laughs> really anywhere but like yeah. there was a really cool school uh, it's right on the Swiss border of Italy. So it's like, it's in Italy, but it's like right on the Swiss border. It's like this beautiful Italian thing, but you're like, you see the Alps. Mm. I don't know. I think Europe would be cool. Yeah. yeah. But like everyone says, you don't make any money as a teacher in Europe, yeah. even international. Um, at some point, that doesn't matter, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? But uh, I mean, once you get out of debt, like, yeah. no, that's what it is, yeah. really. My two favorite places in the world have been Vietnam and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, New Zealand is expensive, but it's beautiful. Vietnam might be a possibility. Okay. The food in Vietnam, some of the best in the world. Mm. 
I will say all props to China as far as the respect level that educators get out here. Like, oh, yeah. if you say you're a teacher or if anybody sees you, like, just walking around with your badge, like, it could go from zero to 100 from the level of respect. Like, it's literally, like, all praise due to you. Like, yeah. people really have a lot of respect. Yeah, and in reality, I didn't know what to expect when I moved to China. Yeah. I think the view of China outside of, well, at least in America, is not reality. <laughs> yeah. Right? At all. At, at all. all. At all. At my, all. I, I can't even say out loud what some, my parents were just like, <laughs> they, not my parents, my mom. Hmm. My mom was like terrified for our lives. And, and if only she knew how much safer <laughs> it is here. Well, she knows now. She knows now and she's like so supportive. And well, she's always been supportive, but she was just scared. Right. Um, but now she's like, you guys should do this for a long time. You should go other places. Like she's very, very supportive now in a different way. And but at first it was it was really frustrating to listen to some of the things that my family members were saying to us about a place that they've never been. Yeah. Even like my aunt, who is like the most adventurous, free spirit, does whatever she wants type of person, was like, you shouldn't go there, and that was like. What? But that's a, that's another one of those like if you if you're just from the outside looking in, like a lot of people in the states talk really bad about people in the country here. Right. And a lot of people here talk bad about the states because that's all they know. Right. Like but, that's just what the media portrays. But that's why we only listen to the people who live here. Yeah. Cuz you can't listen to someone like no disrespect, but you can't listen to the opinion of someone about somewhere they've never been, right. because they don't really know. Right. The only people who really know are the people who are living here. And every single person who we have talked to about teaching abroad or teaching in China, in in particular, they all raved about it. And that was why we were like, we're gonna go because we trust the opinions of people who've been there. Yeah, and I've had a. I've had a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Same. yeah. Like, for, uh, like, the actual job, like, teaching job, mm-hmm. great experience. The social aspect of, like, meeting people and going to these places and trying, like, exploring all these different areas of Beijing, because Beijing is crazy big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's been all positive. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, really, I think everyone should do something like this. Which I was actually, I've had this conversation with a couple people. I think China might be one of the, f- of the rare places that you can, as an, as an American speaking English, that you can go and legit not find someone that speaks English. Because everywhere else in the world, yeah. someone, <laughs> someone, someone spoke someone, English. Yeah. Someone, yeah. Here, you can get a, a, a whole area <laughs> who legit, maybe they do, but they won't, yes. speak English. And I think actually that's important. I think... If all Americans had that experience, like how much better would it be dealing with, not dealing, but like, like a lot of my students in Chicago, their parents didn't speak English, mm-hmm. and I, am I like I felt empathy for them, but I didn't understand it really. Yeah, I got yeah. here and I was like, oh no, exactly. Yeah, you're on the That's other end of the spectrum like. now. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I've so had like kids... that, people have to do that. Yeah. Like, I've had kids who would come into my classroom straight from, you know, I had a kid who came from El Salvador, did not know one word of English, and he's just sitting in class, like, 
so lost, like not knowing what's going on at all. And I always, like you said, felt empathy for them. And I always tried to accommodate, but I didn't really understand until I, I came here. And it's like, so this is what you experienced? This is crazy. Right. Like you're just somewhere and people are talking around you and you have no clue what they're saying. And can you imagine having to do that like in a school? Like in a classroom yeah, well where it actually worried. matters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I like if I don't, if I get the wrong thing at a restaurant, it's fine. Yeah. 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 If I'm supposed to learn reading, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. can't. I don't even know what your letters are. Like, yeah. Yeah, that is. Like crazy. we've even it's talked insane. about if we leave and we come back and we decide we want to stick around to teach again, we leave. We have kids, and then we come back and we bring them here and have that experience of becoming multilingual because. It's just so important in these days. Yeah. But that's that's a great point. <laughs> like, just being in the classroom, how are you supposed to get these kids passing grades and they don't understand the language? And you, you're judging them based off of something that might not even necessarily be under their control. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're here in America or they're here wherever they're at, but they didn't just magically show up. Right. Like, their parents had to bring them here or right. something. Yeah. And they shouldn't be penalized for that. Like, yeah. That's a valid point. Yeah. Because it's like... I am an intelligent human being, and I cannot order lunch. Yeah, yeah. That was week. That was week one. Like, I was I'm so smarter pissed. than I look. Like, I promise. I know. I'm not just saying I want this right. and pointing. I'm uh, just saying this. Yes. Sugar. Sugar. This, this, this. Like, okay. I was so angry that first week. So angry. Yeah. But I think it's a valid lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good growing point, I think for the both of us, uh, individually and in our relationship, <laughs> just having patience and just understanding that this is such a new, unique thing that we're both experiencing for the first time and that sometimes we may just be angry because <laughs> we're just over it. Like we, we're, we want to go back to what we're used to but staying is also like a true show of character because you know people come here and stay a year and people leave for all different types of reasons but some people leave because they just can't handle it and the people who stay um are just unique people i never thought i'd be one of those people but <laughs> here we are <laughs> yeah so the, the last question i always ask is if you could knowing what you know now so we've we've all had this experience experience to this point in life would you do it all the same do you like and I, everyone tells me i like where i am so yeah because mm -hmm. things could have been different but like is there a point that you're like i didn't need to go through that or i wish i would have explored this more or something i think i might have would have did international teaching off rip uh truthfully because just like economically, financially, think about if you're like a broke college kid coming out, they give you a job as a teacher and they expect you to pay, especially if you're like living by yourself, you're making before taxes 32000 a year. So maybe after tax, like 26000 You got an apartment that's not even a great apartment. It's like 900 a month. You got a phone bill that's like 150 you got car insurance, you got a car bill, and after taxes, your check, before bills, is probably like 2000 something a month. All that is gone yeah. after like bills. And then you, so you're pretty much living off of $200 
and you have to have groceries, you want to have a social life, and you're trying to not put yourself in debt. It's like, what type of, like, how are you, how are you supposed to survive and manage that? If you don't, especially if you don't have no family backing, or not even you don't have family backing, but your family can't provide that type of money for you to help you out too, because right. they're struggling themselves. Like, it's crazy. So if anything, I would maybe look at the opportunity sooner. Um, that's about it. What you um, I would say that I would have moved to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I probably wouldn't have left. I love Florida. <laughs> I would say that's a good one. <laughs> I think I would have done education first as my in college. I think that Teach for America was great because it got my foot in the door. However, I do believe that as a Teach for America core member, you are not fully prepared for what you're stepping into. And it was really challenging. My first year was really, really hard because my whole life, I felt like I've always just excelled at things without having to put too much effort. Teaching is so different. It was hard. I experienced a lot of failure that honestly I've never experienced before. And not to say that I wouldn't have experienced that failure if I had the, the background of an education degree because a first year is hard for everyone. But I just feel, I, the reason why I went back to school and got my certificate and got my master's is because I felt that I was ill-equipped and I felt that I was failing my kids by thinking that I could just walk into a classroom and just do this job, especially the types of kids that I was serving. Uh, those kids needed the best teachers because they were behind. And to put someone in there that didn't know how to catch them up or even teach them to the level that they were at was just not fair to them. So Teach for America is like, idea is great but it is not foolproof so i think i would have wanted to get an education background and just do a bit more like volunteering and stuff like that i think i would have you know teaching is so time consuming you feel like you're volunteering your time a lot um, but just like listening to the stories of other people and hearing about all the things that they do sometimes i'm like i wish i could have done that or I wish I would have made time to volunteer or do whatever so yeah honestly though even even like when I since I started off teaching or mm -hmm. whatever I don't even think that I fully knew what I was doing until I was like legit in the classroom yes everybody says. and then well I mean it's the truth and then for me too like a lot of the kids that I was teaching like they were kids that were repeaters of classes and stuff and interestingly enough, I can relate to them because just like you just said, in high school and all that stuff, I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Like, I would study maybe for like 30 minutes before the test. I knocked the test out like nothing. Well, actually, in college, this is my this is my freshman year going into my sophomore year. But my, my second semester, I felt like my first class ever. I was in this computer science class. I had no idea what the teacher was. She had a really strong accent, dialect. I want to say she was like from Trinidad or somewhere. I don't know. And I just could not understand her. And I didn't, I was lazy at the time and didn't put enough effort into trying to like 
go to extra help sessions and stuff like that. So fell that class, uh, took some calculus classes that I didn't do well in as well. So I was used to being with those kids that failed, didn't do well, and it's like it makes you more relatable uh, to those kids and makes you want to help those kids even more because it's like, you know, I've, I've been down that path one way or another. We've all struggled. We've all failed. I'm yeah. trying to prevent you from falling under that trap. And if you do fall, well, I'm still here to try to help you and bring you out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't. My first year of teaching was a, <laughs> the, the only, so I feel like there's a lot of theory in education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you actually get into the, the classroom, <laughs> it's not just teaching. Yeah. Right. It's it is in China. but it wasn't in chicago and so i feel like i was just trying to like figure it out because my principal uh the only thing he ever told me vice principal uh was kids are like dogs you gotta stare them in the face and and you have to be the alpha I was like, what? Cool. Uh, is there a curriculum? No. Okay. He really said that? He did. He that did. is intense. Yeah. So my <laughs> first year of teaching was survival. Mode. A lot of staring contests. <laughs> yeah. Took it to heart and just stared at the kids. Didn't but that's, that's, if you want to make that comparison about dogs, like even with dogs, you got to have a relationship. Yes. So yes. I hope so you're not a dog owner. It was not a good... First thing to say to a new teacher, um, yeah. but but ever I think everybody's first year is hard. Yeah. Um, but I could see how you would feel. You would want to feel more equipped, maybe. So but I don't know if education degree would have actually yeah made you feel more equipped, especially because I feel like I had the same kind of situation. Like all of my kids were free reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just teaching in that environment is different. Yeah. And so I miss it though. <laughs> it. It's more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard. Yeah. 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 I I felt like I was free and reduced my first year myself. Like, so I, I graduated, and you have to take this practice exam to, like, get the full, like, you know, this salary. is your license to get your full salary. And for whatever reason, I could not pass that exam. Like, the math exam was just, like, I don't know, it was on steroids. So, like, really... Yeah, it's, it's mad hard. So my first year of teaching, I wasn't even making my full salary. So now, you know, we were talking about you bringing in this amount of money. I won't even bring in that. They were paying me my first year as a substitute. Oh, wow. So I was making every two weeks, I think, like $700. So I was literally, like, scraping to get by, barely even that, like, just doing whatever it took to make it by. Like, literally, I, I love shoes. I, like... At one point in time, I owned over like a hundred pairs of shoes. I was selling shoes just to like pay bills and stay afloat and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, teaching and teaching was hard, no doubt. But thankfully, I finally passed that exam and was able to give all my money back and all that stuff. But what they don't tell you is that the roller coaster ride you're going to be on is like something serious. Yeah. And being able to build that relationship with those kids and seeing them succeed that's like it's like a relief almost from all the other pressures and stuff you got to deal with yeah that come with this profession yeah it's not for everybody no it's not no. it's not first time i ever observed somebody teaching they were walking around <laughs> in, 
pointing kids out like this kid's gonna be a failure, this kid's gonna be a failure, this kid's gonna be a failure. So then I think back to like I hear rappers talking about you know their teachers never said they would amount to nothing. I'm like, dang, that sucks. Cause yeah. if I was teaching that kid, I would have said that they would. Right. But then I'd be like, dang, why are they bagging on teachers? But then when you see that this really happens, it's like makes sense but it yeah. makes you want to be a teacher even more so that you can be the one who helps change their mindset about no. <laughs> i ain't gonna say a teacher anymore even more it just makes me like it a- makes me more like motivated to not be that teacher that a kid okay. or a adult gets up in front of thousands of people and says my teacher told me i sucked and now i'm rich and i hate that teacher like i would hate for them to say like Tanasia told me that I was going to be a loser and now I'm a winner. Like, I don't want to be in a, I want to be the teacher who's like, my, this teacher believed in me when no one else, that's a teacher that I want to be. No, 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 I it agree. It motivates me to do, to be that teacher. I agree. I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily make me want to be a teacher more. I mean, like be yeah. a good teacher. Oh, oh yeah. It just yes. makes me want to be a better person. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was very fun. Thank you for coming yes. here. Thank you for having us. Yes. Having a conversation. This was yep. really fun. We had some good breakfast this morning. We did. The breakfast was great. Yep. So Tiger Pancake House, yeah. if you'd like to sponsor Career Day Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plug my boy Penley. Well, you know, give us some free pancakes when we come like, through. subscribe. <laughs> Such a YouTuber. Free, free milkshakes, all that stuff. stuff. You can't see me, but <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. No problem. That was dope.